Hey, hey, moms and daughters, it's Dr. Nikki here. And this is episode two of Never Have I Ever. So we actually watched episode three and four and we talked about it and it was so much fun. We had such a great time talking about all of the things and there are so many things, but they're all talked about in fun, relaxing ways. And that could be you guys too. So get talking, pull up a piece of couch, make yourself a mocktail, pop some popcorn, and watch episodes three and four of Never Have I Ever, and then listen to the podcast and start talking. All right, love you guys. Hi, everyone. Here we are to talk about Never Have I Ever. Today, we're discussing episodes three and four. So thinking about the way these characters interact with their emotions and their their background and the expectations that everyone has for them in high school or deciding to make their own choices, we are here to have those conversations and provide that thought-provoking discussion to you all, to moms and daughters and parents and kids uh, who want to talk about how this how this plays out in their own life. So I'm Angie and Nikki is here with us every week. We are your hosts. (laughs) Yay us and yay you for being here, everybody. This is like the first step in changing everything, stopping all the historical trauma to grow into, you know, future generational trauma. Like, I think this is the ticket and it's going to be so much fun. So it doesn't have to feel hard and it doesn't have to be onerous in any way, but it could just be really, really fun. And never have I ever is a really fun show. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I, I like the way episode three began with her making this music video with her friends with the sexy dresses on. Yeah. And that her mom came out like it, it's just so interesting to to kind of put together a teenage life and what they want to put out to the world. I mean, when you're putting out a video like that, what you're trying to show is something about yourself. And she was definitely trying to show something to Paxton about her being cool or her being sexy or her being whatever. And then her mom, who is the ultimate in get yourself back down to earth and what your expectations are, walks right out in the middle of the video and makes her put on a short sleeve t-shirt underneath that dress. I don't know if you noticed that, but she came back with that white t-shirt underneath. I was like, oh my God. And she had some garbage in her hand. So she was doing something so incredibly mundane, like throwing away the garbage. And I just thought that was really funny. That's true. It's so cute. Yes. I like exactly what you said. It's just having these fun conversations with our kids. And that's the small step when we're parents thinking like, what in the world can I do to connect with my teenager? They're growing up in a different era than I grew up. I don't relate to a lot of it. I don't understand a lot of it, but how can I just have a conversation with my kid instead of asking them, how was your day at school? Which doesn't necessarily make for an effective conversation. Let's talk about this show, right? Let's watch Debbie, like Davy's making a TikTok with her two friends, with Fabiola in their outfits, clearly putting on a show. This is not their normal like selves um and it is 
so fun to think about that. What are you putting on TikTok? What are you putting on Instagram? What do you hope people see when they look at that? I hope people think I'm cool. I hope people think I'm fun. I hope what are, what are you, you know, putting out there? And right. I think Davy is thinking, I want Paxton to think I'm cool. I want him to think I'm hot and I look good. I want him to think, think about me as a girlfriend, not as a friend. Right. Definitely. I, I really love what you just said though, Angie, like, like really try to see what it is you're putting out there and what kind of responses you want to get. And is this you, or is this not you? Are you being authentically yourself or not authentically yourself? And you and I were just talking about this before, about people that we like and don't like on social media or sending out messages. And part of what you liked about them is that they were very much themselves, even if they weren't necessarily something that, that you are something that other people are looking for or whatever it is, but they were very much them. And so I really do believe that people do want you to be you. Now it might not look like that because things in school just seem very, they're kind of harsh and they're kind of judgmental. And, and there's an idea about what people look like and what they're doing and what's popular culture. And, but, but I think, eventually you being you will make the kind of friends that that will be the closest to you and the most aligned with what you're thinking yeah and I think maybe this is the first opportunity is high school the first time that we learn and the first opportunity we have to express ourselves so as young children I assume many of us are acting as our most authentic self we don't see a three-year-old trying to be fake very often. So they are interested, we're interested in what we're interested in. We're um, joyful when we feel joyful. We're sad when we feel sad and everyone can see that happening. And then as you get older and there's this awareness of other people expecting you not to feel sad right now or not to cry in the middle of the classroom and what others are expecting you to behave that you start to change your most genuine emotion or your most genuine expression or whatever you're going to stay say you start thinking about it in terms of do I want to say this what will other people think if they see me say this or hear me and is that the first time we start to think of how we want to present ourselves it probably happens a little bit earlier than that. Like maybe junior high, it's starting to, to show itself that way. It's, it's, it's really interesting. I, I love what you said. Like, you know, when you're younger, you do get to be your kind of authentic, enthusiastic, excited self for whatever it is that you love to do. And then at some point you're kind of expected to be a certain way, or at least it looks like you're expected to be in a certain way. And then you're not showing that true self. There was something you said earlier that I thought was interesting, that whole idea about relating to this generation. I get the feeling that every generation somehow believes that they can't relate to the generation mm -hmm. after them for whatever reason, that their life is harder or that they don't understand them or something happens and they're not respectful. So you have to assume that every everybody seems to believe that the other generation is, is not understandable to them. And so I think as parents and as, as kids, but, you know, speaking to the parents right now, 
the feelings that were going on at that time are probably similar feelings to whatever happened. So you might not be able to relate completely to all the circumstances, but the things that are hard about wanting to be loved, about wanting to be connected, about whatever are still the same. And I think that we can always boil it down to those things. Oh, that's a, that's a really good point. I think you're right. As parents, we always feel, or I, you know, you, there's that old idea, stereotype of the parents saying like, back in my day, it was this way. And um, parents always do feel that they've had a different upbringing than what their children are experiencing because time has passed. The world has shifted a little in 15, 20, and 30 years. So things are different for every generation. But I think you, your point is a hundred percent true. It's the feelings of wanting to be accepted, cared for, <laughs> thought of is, um, are the same. And I noticed in the one episode, um, we hear Davy's mom saying first in her vision, Davy is envisioning what she would love to see happen in her life, what she wants to see happen in her life. And one of the things is her mom says, I'm so proud of you. And then we see in the real life when Davy isn't imagining what she wants to happen, her mom sits down at the table with her after her interview with the uh, college advisory counselor who supposedly could get her into Princeton. Davy got mad during that interview and said something objective or I mean maybe something angry to the to the college counselor and her mom says I'm so disappointed in you and yeah I I definitely I thought about that line too like what she yeah. really wanted and there were a couple of things she wanted which we kind of know she wanted Paxton to think she's hot she wanted to grow some more boobs like whatever else but that last line she said just that her mother would be proud of her Mm-hmm. that was yeah that I I really I love that I love that whole Ganesh Puja scene it you really get the sense about what it's like to be of a different ethnic culture than the dominant culture in a society and what a struggle it is on so many levels and then also what a joy like you know so I'm Jewish and and I kind of like in some ways being different than what the dominant culture is because I feel like I don't have to live up to certain expectations. It's almost like people don't expect the same thing from me. They might expect different things or other things or more things in some ways. And maybe I expect that from myself, but in general though, I don't have to keep things so quiet and close to the cuff as you might, if you were born, you know, white male, Protestant, heterosexual, you know, like whatever else the dominant norm is. And I kind of like that. So, and it's interesting to watch her talk to her friend who went off to college and all of a sudden really liked the fact that, that he did interesting things with his family. And, and there were quirky cultural things that he used to make fun of that he actually finds comfort in now. And I kind of love that. Yeah, that whole conversation was so great. Her discomfort at and dislike for everything that she felt forced to do. And I liked when she said to um to the friend, she said, 
what are you doing? Or, or the friend, it was his story. He said, you're at college, dude. You don't have to pretend to care about what your parents want you to. Like, it was so confusing to him, the idea that someone could genuinely um, care for and appreciate and like their cultural upbringing and and then he realized that he had that same appreciation and now we see Davey saying no way when I'm at college I'm gonna like eat cheeseburgers all the time and do this it's only fake when I'm dressing up this way and following the expectations that my mom has for me yeah, I mean, there is something very comforting about ritual and belonging to something bigger than yourself, which so, you know, as parents, we do share what it is that we do and what we're comfortable doing. And that could really prove to be something comforting to our children in the future, or it could become something that had been stressful and hard. And I don't know exactly what it, it was like, like I was saying before, we're Jewish. And so we, you know, my kids were born bat mitzvah and we followed certain traditions. And I, I think that they're coming back to feel comforted by some of it, or at least they seem to be looking for some of it in places where they feel isolated and alone. And that's probably why I did it. Like I wanted them to know that they had community. I don't know if I feel so attached to one particular thing or not, but that idea about having some kind of community, some sense of belonging, some way in which you could, I, I don't know, just kind of go back to your roots seems mm -hmm. like a, you know, like a, like a thing that, that could be good. And then it, it's a thing that could be oppressive too. Right. Yeah. Uh, what I can appreciate in this show is that they sort of, they show a little bit of both sides. So there are, there's beauty and connection and family and tradition in, in their family and culture. And then there's also these like sneaky underhanded word like they don't appreciate it right they're saying like oh the aunties everyone criticizes each other the mom whispers like oh great I'd rather be like you know I feel like I'm getting raked against the coals or she makes some reference to how painful it is to receive all the criticism from the quote-unquote aunties and pretend it's politeness so there are pieces of this that everyone doesn't enjoy and love, but also to represent that there is some some beauty and some joy in in this way of being raised or this with the way that this one family interacts. And then there's also some negativity and like stuff that is not great about it. And well, the show. I think balance puts a balance of there's nothing that's completely one-sided, all negative. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. I, you could definitely see both sides of this particular story. But the interesting part about the positive portions of it is that if you are kind of following the tradition in the way that it's normally followed, then you probably have some joy within whatever's going on. But if you're not like that, the woman, the friend of Kamala's that she met there, her new friend oh, who right. ended up marrying somebody who was not only, you know, not um, somebody she was set up with, but was also Muslim. And clearly there was feelings about a Hindu and a Muslim together that she was completely 
kicked out of the tribe. Like that, that, I think that's as close to, you know, death in a, in a, a pre, a, a pre, you know, present time state as you possibly can get to be kicked out of the tribe for not doing what you're supposed to do. And so you, you want to keep doing it because you don't want to necessarily be kicked out. And that's where Kamala is really struggling at the moment. Yeah. It's so great. Her character is so much fun because we see her really facing that and the, the, they're not glossing it over to make it like, oh, she chose the empowered decision. Yay. She, you know, this is a new younger generation and a smart woman. They're really showing her struggling. She said, I have, I have a choice. It's my choice. When she was explaining it to her boyfriend, she said, I can choose my family or a life of shame. And um, of course they're putting it once again in like a comedy a comical way but it's she's watching Riverdale and realizing could I stand up maybe we see that spark of maybe I can stand up for what I want and tell my parents honestly that I don't want to follow their expectation and then she has to face what that looks like by meeting this other woman who has been exiled from the community and no one will sit with her at the table and you know everyone will be whispering about you and no one will respect you and no one will respect your family you've brought shame not only on you but shame on your parents and well wow, that's know. a lot of pressure to have not only shame on you for living the kind of life you want to live but also shame on your whole family but right. i think the difference with kamala is that she's actually from india and so the pressure is is, is different than it is for Davy, who was brought up in the States, even though raised of, of immigrant parents, but she's struggling with, with the juxtaposition of both of them. Whereas Kamala is still like brought up in India and all of the, all of the customs and traditions are so much more present every day with her which is really it's interesting to see the two there like the young right girl. and we see her as being completely accepting right like she is the character who has agreed with with this plan she's made this deal and so she's thinking of of it like of course I will of course I will marry the person my parents choose for me she's not considering breaking out of it where Davy from day one is always trying to escape right right she said I'd be eating cheeseburgers and 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 having sex with a white man like wasn't that her oh, <laughs> vision at Princeton right, yeah. I don't know that's not quite the Princeton vision that I see just thinking about Princeton as a university but hey you know if that's what she envisions go for it that was her plan yeah why and do you then think Kamala ended up telling Steve where did where did it turn for her that she wanted to be more than friends with him and to date him? Was that I after mean, the the Ganesh after the Pandit Raj said you don't want to get married? Like he somehow saw something or yeah, I think it was both, right? It was it was Riverdale, the uh -huh. example right, right, right. Of, which again is just so funny. Like what what we 
yeah, what we focus on and what we like and put our time and energy into this crazy show Riverdale, a remake of Archie and Jughead. And that was so funny. Betty's standing there saying, I love Jughead. He's important to me. And standing up to her mom and her having this idea that she could stand up to her parents. And then I think it is after she meets the other woman who, who made her own choice that she goes back to her boyfriend and says, I want to be with you. I, I'm not ready to tell everyone yet. So I'm still going to secretly, but I know that I don't want to marry someone my parents arranged for me well but it was interesting that she still made that choice because the choice that the woman at the party told her to make was not that choice she Mm -hmm. felt like she made a wrong one she was in the middle of a divorce she lost her family's affection as well as the community so she told her don't do it like make the right marriage but Mm -hmm. Kamala still decided to go out and do what she felt like doing and what was best mm-hmm. for her and I, I I thought that was really interesting that she decided to actually not do what that woman told her to do yeah yeah mm. it's much it's much more interesting that way because now she's not following directions she's really making up her own mind yeah yeah this is not uncommon you know just in general I, I mean I have a recently you know a friend who was from India who did not tell her parents about the boyfriend that she was seeing for almost five years and then eventually she did and they got married and now they they have a baby but it, it took a long time before mm-hmm. she decided that she was going to say anything about it and of course you know Kamala's a, a she's majoring in whatever at Caltech. This friend of mine is also a doctor, a a very successful doctor. And still that desire to please your family. I I think you always want to please your family, no matter what. I mean, to this day, I still want my mother's approval, whether we had a difficult time or not. And I don't know what it's like for you, but Yeah, I don't, I mean, or is it want to please sounds different to me than like fear of rejection or being cut off financially or something. It's like, also there's the dependency factor too, right? We could just be making this decision, not out of like, I don't care what you think, or if like you never talk to me again, but I need this relationship or I need, I want you to like finance through college or something to get to some point where I'm going to speak my mind and do whatever I want. So you might need some of that, but I still believe that no matter what you always want your mom, especially, I mean, you might want both parents, but no matter like whether I was making a living or needed them or not, there was some way in which I always needed their approval and I always wanted them to appreciate well, what I now was doing. I'm gonna go off on a tangent because what about that new book I'm glad my mom died yeah. uh-huh have I, you heard of that I haven't heard of that but I mean my theory just based on the title is that she probably couldn't move on without her mother dying because she was always looking for her mother's approval but even though she's glad her mom died she's still gonna have to work on all her stuff related to that oh Nikki okay so this is so interesting I follow one therapist on Instagram and she is 
has very vocally said, I've cut off my mom for life. I want her out of my life. I will never speak to her again. This is it. And then she gets a lot of um, people reaching out to her to say, you will regret it. It's that it's a really important uh, relationship in your life. And so her, a lot of what she speaks about is how important and empowering it is to her to never speak to her mom again and to make sure that her mom is out of her life. Um, so, so I don't know either which, which one is right or wrong. And I haven't read the book. I'm glad my mom is dead, but, um, but I don't, but I don't think they're, they're, they're kind of one and the same thing to me. Like, I don't believe that you have to have a relationship with your mother in order to still want their approval or somehow believe that you wanted that at some point I'm assuming that it was different whether even if you're in full acceptance of how it is now you could still have some sense in your heart of I wish things had been different absolutely yeah no I I'm not I'm not saying you need a relationship with your mother that's a personal choice and and all I'm saying is that 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 thing you know that thing that Davy said you know I just wish that my mother was proud of me yeah some way in which you felt the kind of support that we always needed when we were young when we couldn't take care of ourselves and that was our person and that really was our only dedicated designated person really and not saying that dads don't mean very you know but it but it's a different kind of relationship mm-hmm. and it it was absolutely necessary back then and i think young people are born hoping to see those connections when they look out and when they yeah. don't it's it's very discouraging well then we see in the show, the other powerful moment you mentioned when the um, Fabiola is getting her nails done and she, we haven't seen any indication that she's interested in quote unquote girly things or that she would be excited about having her nails done. And we see the scene with her and her mom and she chooses clear nail polish. She's not that into it. Her mom says, you have to get something girly, get flowers or a bird what's your favorite bird and Fabiola says I don't know chicken so she She knew it was a chicken that is the least girly bird you could possibly imagine that and a pigeon but pigeons are like doves so maybe a pigeon is a little bit better than a chicken but she said computers first which I thought was really great that's what she she wanted computers painted on her fingernails yes yeah. And then her, when her mom said, she kind of mentions, oh, they start talking about crushes. And Fabiola says, I guess technically I have a boyfriend. And her mom's expression and demeanor suddenly she's filled with excitement and has a huge smile. And she says, oh, I'm so happy she, that's what high school is for four what is she something like like that's that's what high school's all about or something like that wait let me see yes something and then if you've watched the show we know that fabiola has a crush on a young girl who invited her to a queer rally who seems also interested in pursuing fabiola and Fabiola just doesn't know what to do with that. She Maybe she's not ready to admit that that's a crush, that that's what that feeling is, that she could be part of the queer community. She's not 
she hasn't figured it out yet. I think it was even more than that because maybe there was a, a, a moment where they were both looking at each other, but I was her name Eve. I can't remember her name, but she didn't overtly try to make a move on her or say anything. She just offered her this flyer for this rally. And I, I was, I couldn't tell if she thought there was a problem with liking her or the fact that people did notice enough to give her the flyer when her friend went off with her boyfriend and she didn't give her the flyer, but gave Fabiola the flyer for the rally for the LGBTQ rally. Yeah. It felt a little like maybe she was, she was wondering, do people think I'm gay? She said, why did you give this to me? Right. And then is like you've got me all wrong which right. clearly she didn't but she just didn't want she didn't want it to be that obvious yeah something about being obvious that, yeah but going back to that mother-daughter it's like that obligation Fabiola clearly realized her mom's that was her I'm so proud of you moment right yeah. like her mom was feeling great that's wonderful that's exactly like what I want to happen for you in your life as if having a- and why do you think her mom wants that do you think her mom has some inkling that she might be gay and needs affirmation that she's not or it did seem do you think to she me just like thinks- that right yeah. because Fabiola doesn't dress feminine or something and her mom is there at the nail salon encouraging her yeah no totally to get something um, girly. It felt like her mom thought Thank goodness she has a boyfriend like. Right, right, right. As if that will change anything, which is really, so we really, we we look for things that are going to make us feel better about what reality is or what reality isn't. So right. <laughs> we stop looking and just kind of <laughs> let them show us whatever's going on as opposed to trying to decide that something is going to I guess, make us feel better. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, growing up and things are a tiny bit different, but I don't know if that's completely true everywhere, but growing up really the, the idea about being gay was, you know, well, I mean, I was a doctor early in the whole HIV, you know, AIDS pandemic or epidemic or whatever people called it. And that was definitely a death sentence, but it was, it was also a death sentence within a family, you know, if the child was gay or the child. So like, I'd prefer, I prefer some, you, you die than be gay. Like people have said things like that. And, um, and so I still think some of it's carried over even with a, with a better understanding or at least a better acceptance or things being more fluid. And the parents are still of my generation. So there's, there's still feelings about, you know, our children and their sexuality for some of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think culture plays into that too, of like what's acceptable or not acceptable, or it's fine for dating, but not for marriage. Or, I mean, everybody has their preconceived opinion about what they think is going to be good. And as parents, we have like that extra layer of like, I know you, so I really know what's going to work for you or what Mm. I want for you. Right. Um, rather than if they're talking to a friend who has the same scenario yeah isn't it Cahil Gibran that says something like our children are not ours they're kind of brought out um kind of shot we we shot from the arrow and going on the trajectory that they're going on and kind of after the age of four or something their light is theirs and even though we want to mold it 
it, it, it's still not ours necessarily no. to mold in, in our yes. images in any way. So, which is great as parent. I like thinking of it that way. I certainly feel that for sure. Having four kids who all have different personalities and as they grow older, I just feel like, well, I'm just here like observing whatever I'm doing is not really impacting a whole lot, but especially in the mistakes I've made. I love thinking of it in that terms of like, mm -hmm. I can be here kind of steering or doing whatever mistakes that I'm making. And you're really just going to be your whole self, no matter what I do. So, right. I'm so so how do you get to be that. your whole self and still yes. make it in a world that feels hard. I, I think there's a lot of trust that has to happen, like trust in, in, in the universe and that things are going to be okay. And that if, if you could stay really present with whatever's going on with them and be the person that they talk to, then at least they'll have somebody to come back to or some touchstone for themselves. That's kind of the way I feel about my kids. Like I, I they do their thing and I just make myself accessible to them so that they can always come back if they need to. And they might awesome. come back sometimes and they might not, but, mm -hmm. but that's been the goal since I realized I have zero control completely over what they do and who they are and how they're doing. <laughs> and it's just about love, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. love is here no matter what, no right. matter right, what right, right. happens, as long as like that message is there. Of course, I want you to do well. I hope you right. achieve your goal. I, if you want to get into Princeton, I will support you, Davey, mm -hmm. but love is here no matter what. That is unconditional. Right. Yeah, no, it's really great. And we, we're probably, I think we're coming to an end here, but Definitely. I was just thinking to the to the last thing when she was talking to Paxton at the end of the of the ceremony, when she was saying that she's too Indian and not Indian enough and it, it's, it is the struggle that immigrants do have to face coming to a different cult country, but in particular to the United States, you know, like mm -hmm. having to fit in and then having to fit into their own culture as well. I don't yes. know if you thought about that too, but I really no, like I think, line. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Mm. Why do you think they drove um, the Pandit Raj to the, the Home Depot. I still think it was funny that he was buying a fountain, but <laughs> it was like, really? <laughs> so, but, but did they just need a little bit more clarity about being together, like, and close? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, was, was he there because he could read her dream or he, he had the like level of perception that when she was, when Kamala was silently in prayer for not having to marry her arranged marriage fiance, he said to her, you don't want to get married. And it was like another, I don't know if they've, that was there to drive that point home and reiterate the, the fountain stereotype for Indian people decorate their yards with fountains I mean there's just like silly things that Mindy Culling is throwing in here it's that so must true. be memories from her childhood no you're so right about that 
All right. I, I think that's what we got guys. Do you feel like there's anything else, Angie, that we need to talk about or no, I mean, there's so much fun stuff. Paxton is another, I like that. He's a layered character that he's yeah. like a cool guy, but he's also a bit of a jerk. He's a bit of a like typical, or I don't know what we stereotypical, you know, like look at the hot girl on Instagram, but then we see him also being respectful and thoughtful and considerate so mm -hmm. and just, liking and liking Davy's quirks which is really great yeah liking that she's she's weird in a good way to him you know? yeah but yes. he's also he's not American which is interesting because I find that you know people that are you know that are uh, mixed you know mixed race end up wondering where they fit into and so he's you know part Japanese and part American. And so I think that he struggles with how he fits in as well. So mm -hmm. I, I'm sure that we're going to see more of that, which, um, which is kind of exciting. I really like watching that. Yeah. So, all right. So everybody watch episodes three and four of never have I ever and watch it together and pull up a piece of couch and have a really, really, really fun time and talk about these things and, and try if you can to be really relaxed about it because it's actually fun. So you guys can have fun doing all these wonderful things and we'll see you next week. See you next week, everyone.